is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Winners win, but we didn't win. We lost, but we lost trying to win, which means that we had a winning mentality, which means that even though we didn't win this time, on another time, we might win. Welcome to an Ask Brothers <laughs> podcast. What do, you, what do you think, Darren? What do you think? Oh, very impressed. I just wish you had the same attitude. You tried to cancel this this morning because you didn't feel well. Oh, Come on, but, but you are here, which means that you are a winner or you are Man. attempting to be a winner, even though we may not win. Even though, exactly. And because, Darren, you can't itself. win. You can't win unless you try to win. Otherwise, you wouldn't win. Because to win requires not only a desire to win, but a winning mentality. And we didn't win. And I've been quite depressed about it, to be honest, mm. for couple of days because I've got all these fucking stupid Manchester United fans like my mate Alex McRae who proclaimed we outplayed you we outplayed you we will get top four we were the better team I don't know in what fucking world Manchester United fans think that playing like fucking Stoke City at home against a rampant Arsenal is a winning mentality. And I'm not saying that, you know, they won and they got the goals and they were, they were legitimate goals. But for me, if I were a Man U fan and having been an Arsenal fan, who's watched Arsenal fans get pissed off when we played and won with negative football. I don't think that that was what, I don't think that that's the style of play that's going to take Man U into a fucking top four position. I thought we battered them, Darren. I thought we battered them. I just thought you should introduce Mike at some stage. I'm going to. I'm going to. But for those of you watching the podcast, you know, right now it's me, it's Darren, and it's just a, a, an Ask Brothers logo. And that's because Mike got caught wanking to Russian fucking video porn and his wife smashed up his camera and now he doesn't have a webcam. Isn't that right, Scunny? Go fuck yourself. It's, do you know what I love, Scunny? Your first words this season. The first words since coming back this season are now, go fuck yourself. Yeah, and it had to be aimed at you, <laughs> <laughs> of all the people. So to answer well, your question, hello, Mike. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, I think the most annoying part of uh, of the weekend, if I can, isn't, the losing because we knew we couldn't carry on winning all season, although we had that slight dream that we would. <laughs> it was who we lost to. We just don't seem to be able to be up there. You know, they think about that time. We dominated for long periods. Uh, they just seem to catch us on a break and score. And that's the frustrating thing for me is that it was United. I wouldn't have minded if we'd have got beaten by an informed side like Brighton or someone. You know, we scraped a couple of last minute or late victories against Fulham and but it was it was just United. It just makes you feel dirty when they beat us. You know, they just got flew in a couple of superstars, first bloody touch and the geezer scores. Uh they they just you know, just always seem to have the sign over us. 
Scanny, he has to. I was going to say, I was just trying to answer from Darren there, but it, it's sort of inevitable, isn't it? You know, you go up to Manchester, you lose. It's it happens all the time. You know, we was on that unbeaten run, forty-eight games. We're going into that for uh, sorry, forty-nine games. We're going into that fiftieth game unbeaten run, and who was it? Who was beat? Who beat us? Manchester yeah. United. It's just yeah. it's one of them things that's inevitable. You you're on a decent run, five game. You know. Four games we hadn't lost so far. This time last year, we'd lost all four games, I think, at the start of the season. Uh, this time round, we're, we're winning all four games. It's it's nice. It's going into the fifth. You're going in with high hopes. You're going in with a, not really an informed Manchester United. It's just sort of inevitable, and it's on the cards that they end up being the first team that beats us this season. It's, and it's annoying. It's yeah. annoying. It was actually five games going into the sixth, and, and it was annoying that yeah, they sorry. still aren't that good, and they're going to get better. You know, they've got a decent manager. We know that. We know they're miles behind us in, in in where they need to be, but they've they've made a couple of big signings. They've you know Martinez looks a good player. The new guy they've just paid eighty million for. I hope that's a sort of Pepe signing. A panic, you know, reading what it is at sixty million or fifty million more than. He's probably worth at this point in his career. Second half, we had 45, 45 penalty box actions and they had nine. Yeah. For, yeah. You know, it's it's it, a lot of people online were saying, oh, you know, it feels so it, it feels so repetitive. It feels like something that we've seen before, you know, where we've gone and we've said over the years, you know, we were the better team. If we think back to City last year where we were the better team and we got beat late. I think against Liverpool, we were the better team and we got beat or drew. Um, but I don't think it felt the same because that didn't feel like sterile domination. That didn't feel like sterile possession to me, Darren. That felt like we were on a level that they could not go with and the next conceivable place that Arsenal need to go. Now we have all of the... We have all of the pretty play and we are, you know, a bit bigger and a, and, and a bit angrier. And the next conceivable place we have to go to get to a level of an old Arsenal team is being deadly and taking our chances. And unfortunately, Darren, we're not deadly. No, no. I mean, we're going to have to face this now that teams have given us less respect and have had a go at us. You know, I mean, I'm talking generally, but how many times... Did we have that period where the people teams would just run straight through the middle of us? You know, Jack at the pivot, and teams would just demolish us uh, on the counter attack, and uh, we couldn't break teams down. You know, and now I think we're a lot more likely. I think it was a bit of one of those games where you know we didn't play particularly well, but even not playing particularly well, we were still probably the better side on the day. See, I but disagree. We're going to face I disagree. What, what do you disagree? Scunny, do you agree with me or do you agree with Darren? Do, well, I don't know what the difference is yet. Well, Not you said you didn't. You said you didn't think we played particularly well. I didn't think I we. Said, no, no, no. I said we weren't playing up to the level that we've been playing in previous weeks. We played okay. You know, we weren't. We weren't terrible, but we were still better than Manchester United. We were. We were better than them, but it wasn't mm. quite on stock, was it? The one twos weren't quite coming up. Those forty penalty box moments. We were in previous weeks. We were creating opportunities. I don't think De Gea had that many saves to make. We weren't at our best. No, but that but, but we that's were still where better. We, that's where we weren't deadly. You know, Scunny for me. You know, we were dancing and they were walking. You know, we were moving the ball around. We had them bamboozled. Some of the movements, some of the vision, some of the heads up play, 
to get us into the attacking positions were outstanding for me, some of the best football that we played this season. It's just unfortunate that uh, Saliba has a chance, sprays it, Erdegaard has a chance, doesn't catch it, Saka has a chance, really timid roll. You know, Martinelli smashes one at the keeper with his head and, and puts one in off a, off a VAR call. Uh, Scunny, how did you see it? Did you, did you walk out of that and think that we were dominant? Uh, not necessarily, no. Not as dominant as other games. So I do talk, I tend to agree with Darren on that one. You know, a lot of it, yes, we were playing some really nice football, but a lot of it this time around just didn't seem to want to be paying off. There were, you know, these one-twos weren't paying off as much as what we saw against other teams. So, yeah, I do talk, I tend to agree with, agree with that, but you know, there were moments where we were on the back foot in that game, which I wasn't really going to be, if I'm being honest, I wasn't expecting. You know, I think in the first, what, 15, 20 minutes of the first half, we were on the back foot. Um, so, you know, we've got to look at it in the sense of it wasn't an easy game. It wasn't by far what I was expecting. I thought we was actually going to dominate them all the way through it, actually, to be fair, because the way they've been playing and the way we've been playing... But it's, again, like I said earlier, it's on the cards. It's one of them things, isn't it? It's Manchester United. It, you go up there and they just seem to turn up for Arsenal for some strange reason. See, yeah, I, so said, nice. this in nice. the, I said you. this in the fans forum. I said this in the fans forum and everyone was saying 3-1 to Arsenal, 3-1 to Arsenal, 3-1 to Arsenal. <laughs> I said, I bet you we lose and not because they're better and not because we're shit or we're not the real deal this season. But just because it's Man U at Man U, and, and there's there just so much to, more to it, Max. There, there are some things. I mean, you said we played well. There are some things to you know. We're, we've got our rose-tinted glasses on, or our uh, cranberry-tinted glasses on. We we were dominated for the first fifteen minutes. We couldn't get our foot on the ball. We couldn't put any passes together. You know, they harried us and and rushed us into mistakes. They controlled the first fifteen minutes. Then also they went one nil up, you know. Then we had our period, probably an hour, where we were the better footballing side, and even then they managed to cut through us, hot knife through butter, and scored at will. So I think when we, it's frustration for me, you know, we we didn't play quite as well as we were hoping, uh, and they are on a bit of form, and they uh, tactically just cut through us. That worries me, especially with the likes of Tottenham coming yeah, up, yeah, because Look, they Tottenham scored play a- like that. Yeah, they scored at will because of how incredibly dominant we were. And our line got that high because we had so much dominance over such a period of time. Because we didn't put a fucking goal in the back of the net in that time, it just meant that at some point that pressure valve was going to go. And when you've got players like Ericsson who can get on the ball and players like Bruno Fernandes and people with rapid speed like, like Marcus Rashford, that is always a possibility. I mean, our line had gotten re- just so ridiculously high. Um, and well, so I can... I was just going to say, I've got into the habit of actually rating players on one of the sites. Uh, and don't you just think we just dropped from a... I had everyone at sevens to eight and a half and, a, and the odd nine in there. I think Erdegaard, I gave a nine last week or the week before. They all just dropped to sevens. You know, we were good. We were, were up there. We weren't embarrassed. But Martinelli didn't have the same sort of game. Erdegaard didn't have the same sort of game he's been having. Jesus didn't have quite the the, the influence. Xhaka, who's been really good this season, what, and again wasn't bad. Do we not expect bad. this against a billion-dollar squad? Like a billion-dollar squad with a top manager in a top team at home 
after they're coming off a bad run. I just like, I, Scunny, I go back to what I've said over the last couple of weeks, and I think there is too much bias towards people thinking that there is one team. There is one team that's playing, and there's one one strategy, and the other team is just an AI. You know, Arsenal being in a dominant position, teams have seen how we played, and I think, man, you saw how we played. I think they shit themselves. I think they knew they couldn't go with us, and they sat deep, and they hit us on the break. And I'm not taking it away from them, Scunny. They were successful in doing it. Go yeah, on, and they were successful in doing it. <coughs> no, no. I, I, sort of, I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, like I say, I went into it with this game. I thought we was going to be the better team. We were. In, in fact, throughout the whole of the game, I think we were the better side. But I'm not going to take that away from the fact that there was a, a period of times, like we said earlier, about 15, 20 minutes each half where we weren't the better side. And I think that's what cost us. And like you said, yes, we did push up too high. We didn't really... I don't know if we took it as the amount of serious... I don't know if it was taken in the amount of seriousness it should have been in that sort of sense where we're pushing way too high to what we should Mm. have been doing against a team like Manchester United with their talent in some respect in their forwards, you know, well, they've got a lot of speed, they've got a lot of talent. Do you, do you um, think, Mike, then that we didn't respect the point? Probably, I, I would probably say, yeah, I'd, I'd say that one, we didn't really respect it. Um, like I say, it's, I think it's a case of obviously, we probably got a bit too big for our boots on this one. Yeah. In that sort yeah. of sense. If, but, you, if but, you get my understanding on that one, we've yeah, got to Yeah, no, I do, big. I do. But, but let me go, you know, let we've me also go back, got, Mike. We've also, so hang on, hang on, we've also got to look at as well, is we've really got to finish our chances when it comes to teams like this. And Do you remember how many why. conversations we had over the years, Mike, about Arsenal not finishing their dinner? Th- yes. This has been something that has been part of Arsenal's DNA for a really, really long time. And I've said it repeatedly. You know, if you go back to very, very successful Arsenal teams, you know, you had goals coming from Perez, you had goals coming from Burkamp, coming from Henri, coming from Lumberg. We would get goals from our centre-backs. We would get goals. Gilberto would pop up with the odd one. Vieira loved a big goal in a big game, even though he didn't get a huge return. You know, we've always had these, these squads where we could hurt you in lots and lots and lots of different areas. And it doesn't feel like that at the moment because Erdegaard isn't a ruthless finisher. Sambi Laconga isn't a ruthless finisher. Thomas Partey, when he's playing there, we've seen from him he's not a ruthless Finisher, El Nenny doesn't finish. Xhaka only cunts one once a year. I don't think Saka is a it's a natural finisher. I think Saka is always more towards that creative side. And yes, we've got Gabriel Martinelli and, and we've got who I thought was the man of the match. I thought he was outstanding was Gabriel Jesus. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I don't think he lost a duel all day. Um, but there is a there is the next stage for this Arsenal team to move into now which is to become killers. And I just don't think that, Darren, I just don't think that we're there. I don't think we're killers. And I think that's because we're not men yet. It still feels like, and and it should because we're such a young squad, but we haven't just got that thing yet, which is like chance, sink it, kill the fucking game, move on. Yeah, I know, but I think the it's an unfair comparison when you're talking back at the the side and the players that we were that you're talking about. You know, these these are young players, and we are seeing goals from Martinelli and from Saka and from Erdegaard and from Jesus. You know, we are seeing these contributions, and that's only going to get better. I honestly think we're going to win a game five or six in the very near future, and I'm hoping it's on Sunday. 
against a, you know a fairly poor Everton side. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a little unfair to do that. And then when you look at we are a, a Manchester City light. You know, they 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 go through games. They concede goals. You know, they're conceding goals in most games this this year. Well, they did, but they Villa. have the, they just dominated Villa, and then yeah, ended they up with a one-one. They have the ability to to score those goals, but games like Villa at the weekend, you know, they they created many 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 chances, but just had one of those days. And I think that was it a little bit. I don't think we should get too downhearted that we didn't take our chances. You know, Manchester United had to sit deep in their penalty area for about 45, 50 minutes of that game because they couldn't get out. You know, and that's that's a joy to watch. So, and if you remember, there was a quote from Arteta at half time. Somebody said, What did he say to you at half time? And he said, This game is here for the taking. What were we, 1 0 down at the time? This game is here for the taking because, do you know what, we're better than them. And we went out and maybe we didn't give them respect. Maybe we didn't respect the point. But that's because this team wanted to go and beat them. And I think Winners that win. attitude, that attitude is <laughs> going to be what takes us forward. You know, well, that was really... my ramble. That was my <laughs> ramble at the start, Darren. It was, you know, when I saw those three subs, when I saw those three t- subs at once, so Niketia, ESR and Vieira on, my initial feeling was not one of dread because I thought we were killing them. I thought we were just, it was just death by a thousand cuts. And I thought when Arteta did it, I thought that's the balls I want to see from a manager who's like, no, we're going to go out there and we're going to make a statement. You know, a point's not enough because this is our season and we're going to go out and make a statement. And then obviously hindsight kicks in and you're like, well, we didn't respect the point at Old Trafford. And I'm, I'm torn between my two emotions of is that petulant naivety from Mikel Arteta or is that a sign of someone who's got that fuck you mentality that top, top managers need to have? It is interesting, isn't it, that if at 1-1 he'd have taken off Erdegaard and brought on Rob Holding, you know, we may we may have actually been out to turn the game around the other way. Let them come on to us a bit. It wasn't working and hit them on the break. You know, it's 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 very, very difficult to say what was right and what was wrong. I was surprised that he made a triple substitution only based on his track record where he seems to, you know, this season has seemed to leave it really late and then bring on maybe one or two. But, um, I mean, let, let's, as long as that they haven't lost too much heart from that because it was painful we're feeling it aren't we how frustrated are we feeling this week because mm. oh uh, yeah, yeah definitely well it's like i agree i agree in that sort of sense of obviously with you know i'm going with max on this one with his sense of uh, when he, when i saw them three subs come on and it's like right this is going to go either way this is either going to be you know, three, two, death, death or glory, Mike. Yeah, death or glory. It's going to be 50 50. Unfortunately, it went against us, and that's probably the worst thing. If it went for us, you know, you got to look at it. This guy's a tactical magician, you know, he, he smashed it. We smashed Man U, you know, it could have been there, you know, it was, it could have gone either way. Unfortunately, it went the opposite way. Um, but these are the risks that you do have to take in these games, though, sometimes. And I wasn't disappointed that he took the risk. I was, I was thinking, this guy's got some balls. You know, the, the you know, the co-owners on this guy at this moment in time, you know, this could go either way. You know, it's not, you know, we wasn't fully dominating. They wasn't fully dominating. It's like, this can go either way. Uh, this guy's got some massive, massive balls. He's laid them out all on the table for everyone to see. And unfortunately, he's just got a nail in them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, isn't it? It's, it happens. It's, you know, shit happens. So, 
it's just the way you got to take it. But I respect the guy. I respect Arteta more for making that decision rather than trying to play it safe in that sort of do sense. You, at least do you, you think also take it out like, there and go fuck it? I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you never take your dick out, no one's going to suck it. It's as simple exactly. as that. <laughs> <laughs> can't get true. your dick sucked. Can't get your dick sucked inside your fucking pants. Just don't Some, take Sometimes it out. you have to unzip, but when you zip up too fast, it can get caught. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's true. Mikel Arteta does have his erection currently caught in his fucking zipper. Um, but, but <laughs> fuck it. Um, Mike. You, I, I was going to say is what you touched on it earlier. Can we, I, I don't want to get too embroiled in VAR because this, this weekend, I'm not really talking about it from an Arsenal point of view, but from a, a general point of view, it sort of hit breaking point for most supporters and pundits where there were so many ridiculous decisions this weekend. And, you know, it's it's not the the technology, but it's the people that are using it. But I just wanted to touch on, we're, we're three days or two days after the game now. And uh, I'd like to hear your opinions on when that went to VAR. Because I, I just let me just put it, frame it into some context. And I've had two days to think on it now. But I watched it in a very, very... A rowdy bar down on the Costa Blanca with my wonderful mates down there at the Arsenal Supporters Club and uh, the older generation and when I talk about the older generation I'm talking about these are 20 years older than me there was about 10 of them and I was listening to them talk and they all said oh it's a foul it's a foul it's a foul and all of the people nearer my age were screaming at the time what the fuck that's not a clear and obvious decision you know all that sort of error so Where I don't are you? think it's a conversation, Darren, about whether it's a foul or not. I think it's a conversation about whether VAR should should, should be intervening yeah. for those for those things yeah. because there's an element of the game that needs to be left to the game, and there's an element where VAR can be put in place or should be put in place. And I'll go back to. Scunny and I did a, when VAR was coming in, Scunny and I did a podcast on guns and yellow ribbons. And there was about six of us in the room and it was only Scunny and I who were vehemently against VAR. Well, I make that three three for three here then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, vehemently against VAR because I had seen it or, or because I watch other sports, everyone knows I'm a big rugby league man. The video referee has really fucked that game and we're now in our like 10th, iteration of VAR and it's just getting worse and more convoluted. So, you know, we always had our nails, our, our, our colors nailed to the mast in that sense that the unbridled joy that you get from a goal yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. is the, is what makes football football. It's what makes sport sport. And the more instance you have like this, the more it reduces the unbridled joy, the more scar tissue there is, the more people start waiting for the decision. So was it a foul? If the ref had have called it a foul live, no issue at all. It's a soft foul. He's yeah. on his way. He's 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 on his way down. He's waiting for the contact. But that is part of football. Scanny, have you got anything to say on that? Because you know we don't want to waste too much time on it. And I, I, there's a bit I want to say. But where are you on that, Scanny? Are you with Max? Uh... Yeah, well, I've never been a massive fan of VAR anyway. Um, it worked in the World Cup when it first got introduced. Fine, fair enough. But does it work on the day-to-day -day grassroots football? No, it doesn't. Uh, let's see it as this. Um, the way I saw it and the way I thought it was going to be is VAR is only going to be there for the big decisions, like the big penalty calls, 
the you know the, the really the red card decisions not something that's not even like like i say there for, so for example we look at the one that we've just witnessed on you know from Erdegaard. would v should var get involved in something like that no they shouldn't you know at the end of the day the ref was there he could clearly see it you know when they started when they did the playback video and this goes this goes on from just just from arsenal game it goes for, goes on throughout the premiership at the minute it goes on all the time VAR should not be getting involved in them decisions. VAR should be there for the big decisions, and that's it. Refereeing well, is subject. Refereeing is subjective. Yes, of course. And all you're doing with VAR is taking someone's subjective opinion, and then and applying else someone else's it. subjective that, opinion, sort of which then point, makes mate. the person hold on, Darren. It then makes the person who made the decision in the first place question their decision. And the final thing I say is, and this is something that they're talking about in rugby league this year is they're talking about removing slow motion replays from the box in VAR. Because if you fucking slow something down far enough, you will find something. And oh, they're course, saying, yeah. no, it needs to be looked at in the light of day. Now, I'll just say this. This is my one thing, and then I'm, I'm done with it. Good. I'll fix VAR today. So VAR should only be for penalties. VAR should be for offsides, but there should be a resistance on offsides, like mm -hmm. a line twice as thick. And the only time VAR can come in is if it is outside of that resistance, which means it is clear. It is a clear offside because we can't even slow the frames down enough to the millisecond that would require a fucking gnat stick. Everything else, VAR can go and fuck itself. That's the only thing I want them this to do. Is my, this is why I asked the question, Max, is that don't you think, I don't know if you've seen all of the decisions this weekend. I mean, there were some ridiculous decisions. A couple in Newcastle, one against the West Ham one was ridiculous. You know, we've we've seen some very, very, very strange decisions. The Arsenal one won't was not anywhere near as controversial as as ones that we've seen. But I just think we may have just they may just have to fix VAR based on this weekend because everyone, you know, from us supporters, the players, and the pundits have all just gone. Hang on, this isn't any good for the game. Um, you know, when it came out, my statement was, we are only going to stop. I've spent years watching football where we've slagged off a referee on Saturday night or after the game, and now we're just slagging off VAR. We've just moved that point of contention. We haven't improved the game, and, and we removed you know, our joy. And we've if we look at joy. yeah, 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 we've we, you know they are it's an entertainment sport, and we're trying to withdraw the entertainment. It's a very strange thing, and I think it's something will happen now. The goal, the, the Arsenal one, just for my two penneth, the Arsenal goal at the weekend. If you look at the referee's positioning when he, he, he allows, allows the play to play on, he's five or six yards away from that tackle. He has seen it. He has decided it's soft. The instruction is to let the game flow more. You know, he went. He, we know uh, that uh, was it Ericsson went down too easily. So, therefore, I'm going to play on. There was no need for him to change his decision. He just lacked to lack And what, happen, to what happened? Well, this is, this is my argument. To be crowded as well, Scunny. You know, well, there was is, this whole thing yeah. where it's like 10 fucking Man U players surrounding the referee. So they're, they're putting the pressure on him to go over there regardless, and he's got to go look at the screen. Well, this is this is my argument, and this is why I'm saying VAR should only be there for the big decisions. It shouldn't be there for something like that. Like Darren said there, and I said it as well, you know, the referee was, he could see it clearly. He could see it better than what he saw it on the TV screen when he went to go have a look at it. It's as simple as that. And this is nine times out of ten this, the case for every single time these crazy decisions happen. The referee can see it more clearly when it's in front of him than he can do on the TV screen that he has to go and have a look at. VAR should not be getting involved in them decisions. 
it would it ruins the game. It ruins everything about it. And not only that, yes, it ruined our our day because that was our goal at the end of the day. You know, Martinelli scored an absolute blinder of a goal. Um, but it's just one of them things that is just something that it shouldn't happen. And it goes it goes throughout the whole of the Premiership. And these are the things that are really starting to wind me up about VAR. And this is the reasons why when when it first come in, Max, is which is what we were saying all along. These are the things that will happen. You know, they're going to get involved in every decision-making. They're going to get involved in everything that they don't need to be involved in. And this is the problem. You know, the referee the referee perfect. is... what We got told the referee makes the last decision or the, the final decision. Let the referee make the final decision. He's already made his decision on the pitch. You don't need to go have a look at a TV screen once he's made his decision. Simple. I understand for something like a penalty. Yeah, that's why I said big like, decisions. Like, like I, un I understand that, and I don't think that VAR should even be involved in that. I don't think VAR should be telling them to go and have a look at it. I think that the ref should be able to make the decision himself and say, I'm not sure of that, and I'm going to stop the game and I'm going to go have a look at it. I'd, I'd be quite comfortable with that. don't understand how adding another subjective view to a subjective game making someone who's made a subjective view question their subjective decision is a linear line to getting process success it, it makes no sense to me but if we use the the uh what was it fucking Thierry Henry against Ireland to take Ireland out of the World Cup that's where VAR is meant to be used that was the purpose of it that was the uproar you know it's it's for the Diego Maradonas it's for the hands of fucking God it's for you know, the ball getting kicked into someone's knees and then them rolling around on the floor grabbing their face. That was what yeah. VAR was brought in to fix. Yeah. Not to fucking go and micromanage every single foul on the fucking pitch and remove any organic joy that is derived from football. And let, let me just say this. Football is a very, very, very... There's not many games. I don't think there's any games in the world that are like football because we might get one or two goals per game in 90 minutes. And it is fucking tantric, right? It is built up. It is this long protracted desire to see a goal. And the, the ball bulges into the back of the net and the crowd hits and everyone hits. And that is football. That is what makes football different. It's not basketball. It's not 94 to 92. It's not rugby. It's not 36 to 6. It's one fucking nil. And if you remove that piece of unbridled joy, we don't get the opportunity to get that again 10 more fucking times in a game and forget that that happened because we got other bits of joy. It's fucking garbage. It's ruining football. And if they don't change it, they're going to lose a generation of football fans. And this is why I've got friends who are now following a championship team because there's no fucking VAR in the championship. Do you believe he's got friends? <laughs> <laughs> not one bit. <laughs> I honestly think they're just made up friends, you know. Yeah. Someone called Jack Daniel, and well, we know who that is, don't we? Really, let's face it. You know, yeah. that ain't a real person. Uh, so, can so, we move on? Anything yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, okay. no. I, I think we've done VAR. I think you've. I agree. We all agree. Same sentiment. It's got to stop. You know, the the. Uh, the I thought the only not funny, but the worst one of the weekend was. It was the guy's his ninth Premier League outing as a referee gives a goal and then gets called back. And it's one of the most senior referees we've got who's in charge of VAR that's basically said to him, you've made a mistake, change your decision. And yet when you look at it on the screen, you're thinking, no, you didn't. <laughs> Do you know, and it's uh, and because he's young, 
how's he going to be in the future? He's going to be frightened to make decisions because he's been overruled. Anyway, yeah, move on, please, Max. Move on. Um, I have and next question. week. I promise to be prepared and have some questions myself. I have, I have, I have, I have, I have a question <laughs> to ask both of you, and it's about uh, William Saliba, and it's about how we manage the inevitable drop in form that will come because that's what happens with young players, especially young centre backs. Now, for me, in Ben White. I thought he was our best centre-back last year. People loved Gabriel. Gabriel's all action and he scores the goals and does all of those things. But for me, Ben White was the glue. Now, Ben White's been pushed out into right uh, right back where I think he's been excellent. I've had no, no qualms about him being out there. But if you speak to someone like Big Steve, Big Steve said that this sort of stuff was going to start to happen. Big Steve said pre-season that if you'd watched enough of Saliba and if you'd watched enough of him in France, his positional awareness wasn't amazing. His reading of the game wasn't amazing and his athleticism and his size dug him out of a lot of holes. But in big games, he wouldn't necessarily be full of confidence that Saliba would make the right decision at the right time. Darren, considering we've got Tommy Asu coming back, who everyone seems to have just forgotten how good he was when he was in form last season. Do you think there is a, a moment or a time for Arteta to pull Saliba out of the firing line a little bit and put Ben White back into centre-back? I think we'll see it naturally. Just on the last point you made there about Tommy Yasu, I think we have to really look at the games that we've played so far and realise that Ben White is doing such a good job at right back. That position is actually his own at the moment. You know, he, he's, he's controlling that side. He's defending really well. He's linking the attack really well. So there's there's absolutely no reason to do what you're saying do. But I think it's going to be natural. We're, we're starting to play two games a week now for the next, God knows, six weeks. There will be changes. If you if you listen, they talk about they play different partnerships in training all of the time. So they're, they're, they're getting ready for when they need to make those changes. I think you'll see it naturally. I think Holding will come in for the Europa League. And maybe he'll play with Ben White at centre-half. Saliba will get a rest. You know, but I don't see it as an issue. And I don't see that drop in form from Saliba. I I, I think he's uh, he's a very simple player. I, I wasn't too um, enamoured with Gabriel when everybody else was, just because I thought he had mistakes in him. I didn't think technically he was good enough. I just and, think and they're a bit similar. That still worries me, but he's got better. He's he's learning the Premier League and his, his determination and his enthusiasm and his size and his goal-scoring. I mean, he's a great asset to the side. Saliba at the moment, I think, just looks like he's got a very, very simple game. And when your game is very, very simple, there's not that much that can go wrong with it. I, I think, thought he got. Uh, I thought he got. I thought he got caught out, and I think he can get caught out a bit square-shouldered. And I think Gabriel is also a bit square-shouldered. You know, both of those goals, the guy who gets back there, the recovery tackle, the guy who reads it best. Yes, it's from ben right White. back, but it's Ben White. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what I saw from him last season is. He, his vision, the way he sees the maps of the pitch, is far superior to both Gabriel and Can, can I just, sorry, I know we want to hear Scunny's view on this as well, but don't you see, Max, that it almost is within your question, is what I see more is if there is that person to take out of that, it's possibly Gabriel and we keep Saliba, you know, and put Ben White alongside him. 
Uh, I mean, I think that's how good Saliba looks in these early days. And yes, he may drop in form, but he looks a real athlete with a real simple game. And I think, you know, Ben White alongside him, we may just have the calmest, coolest, um, strongest um, centre half pairing in the in the in the uh, Premier League. Mm. Scanny. Uh, I'm quite content with Saliba, if I'm being honest. Um, I think he's doing really well. Yeah, you know, there is he has got mistakes in him, but I'd say that on any defender, they've got mistakes in him. You know, there's there's not one defender I can think of in the Premier League that hasn't got that little mistake in him that can happen. You know, even Van Dijk has them mistakes. But it's I'm not comparing. Obviously, I'm not comparing him to Van Dijk. Uh, what I'm saying is, is obviously their mistakes happen. And yes, I, I agree with the fact that he, is, he can be quite square-shouldered. Uh, he does get turned a little bit. But I think he's got the speed and the pace and the power to contradict that. Unless it's Rashford in behind you, and then you don't. Well, yeah, well, you know, I think it's it's just one of them things, isn't it? It's, when you're a defender and there's three to four of you in defence, you know, you work, you're trying to work as a team and you're trying to build as a team. You know, when I think, you know, you could look at, I think Gabriel as well was at fault for one of the goals with Ronaldo. You know, he played on, I think it was Ronaldo, you know, he, he was playing on Ronaldo. He didn't push line high enough. So, you know, you can look, uh, look at that one. It's just, you know, they are a young squad. He is new to the Premier League. Um, he's, he's just, sort, you know, he's, he's only just finding his feet within Arsenal at the moment. So being in these big games, being in, these tough games as well that we've been in over the last couple last couple few games have been quite tough. It's only going to make him better. And not only that, yes, we've got Tommy Asu coming back, but it, isn't it nice to think we've actually got quite a well-rounded defense now where we can think, Ooh. oh, we can put this person, we can take this person out for this game, we can put this person in for this game. You know, it, it only looks good for Arsenal now, and it only looks good. It's, it's better for Arteta because when you look at it last season. We didn't really have that much of an options. The centre back who sticks out now is Rob Holding, who I really yeah. like. I really like Rob. I Holden. like Rob Holding in, in a defense in a defensive system, but in this system, you know, you're never going to be able to progress like that with Rob Holding there. He'll get fucking killed. He'll well, get this murdered. This is it, you see, and you know, and you got to look at the different aspects that these players bring. You know, Tommy Asu is very good at pushing forward. You know, Ben White has been doing that really well over these last few games, you know. So I agree with Darren in that aspect. You can't really take this guy out of being in this position at the minute because he's playing so well. But it's, you know, Tommy Asu's got that in his locker as well. He can do it pretty much exactly the same as Ben White in a back four, for example, rather than a back three. Uh, but you've also got to look at Zinchenko as well. You know, what he's brought into this season um, or what is this, this this different aspect that is brought into this defence uh, in the case of, obviously, he doesn't always just push forward like a natural left-back. He pushes inside. It gives a different option. You know, it comes inside to the pitch. It leaves it as a back mm. three. It, well, I think, you know, Zinchenko, I think Zinchenko has been the trigger to Jacka playing yeah, better this season. I agree with that. You know, because and, he's just he's just removed that fear that Jacka had of every time he pushed forward that he was going to have to fucking... Turn I, like a jumbo yeah. jet and get back. And you know, ben I White. saw. Ben can I just? Can I just quick? Go, go, sorry, go sorry, Darren. Yeah, I'm just yeah, please. Say yeah, just quick. I I wasn't here when we first. Uh, well, I didn't have say. I ain't got a webcam. I've been on holiday and I've also had COVID and everything. So I hadn't had really Russians. had my say on the yeah on the, and the Russians and everything. <laughs> um, so I hadn't really had my say on the uh, new signings and stuff like that. But 
you know, I know a lot of people were very excited with Gabriel, but when I heard about Zinchenko signing, I was more excited about him coming in than I was Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Jesus, if I'm being honest, because I thought that is a steal from Manchester City, that, and the little bliss price that we paid, I think it was almost like 30, 35 million. I think that is an absolute steal. And I think they've really let a really good player go there and it's only in our benefit. And it's and working out so far shown, really he's well. Shown up, he's shown the deficiencies in Tierney as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think, like Darren said last week, when KT came on, it wasn't that there was such a massive disparity between them. You very quickly saw that you missed the technicality that Sinchenko bought. Yeah. And I love how cool and calm and collected he is on the ball mm. as well. And he's... He's not afraid to run forward. He's not afraid just to absolutely bolt it and come to a dead stop and then pass it and move the ball forward in different ways. And I really like that of a player. And I've, I've, I've I thought, I honestly thought he was a very good player when he came to Man City. And you saw him coming through the ranks there. So to get him from there and at such a low price, I think is an absolute steal. And I think it's going to benefit us in the long run as well. So I like that. It's also great having uh, Tierney to come in when we do if when we're winning a game. You know, it's a great position to have a very good, strong left back come in and secure it up a little bit. Oh, when hugely. We talk about bringing holding back to go to five at the back. But when you can just bring Tierney in and you've got a really solid back four there, you know, things are looking really good. And you've got to remember that Tierney, along with Party and Tommy Yasso, have, have been pretty injury prone. Tommy Yasso's hardly played since Christmas. Exactly. And this is the thing, and this this little option that we have now, and this depth that we have in the defence with all these different players and these different versatile players who can play in so many different ways, it benefits us massively. And I think it's going to come into its own when we start seeing through the later stages of the Europa League as well as mm. in the Premier League. Well, so, you, need that to, you need that to finish top four and be exactly. competitive in competitions. You need to have depth, but you also need to have versatility. Exactly. I think one of the issues we've had in the past is... For example, when Tommy Asu came out, you know, you go into Cedric. That's a, a just a completely different game plan. It's a completely different player and it involves changing the structures of the team entirely. So what we were saying last week, Mike, was that Ben White is actually playing that role quite similar to Tommy Asu. You know, there's there's you know, both of them aren't necessarily gonna overlap, which means they don't squeeze Saka inside, which takes away Erdegaard's time. You know, so it's, it's I, I agree with you completely. Look, maybe I'm creating problems where problems don't exist, but I think that that, that central defensive position looks better with either Saliba and Gabriel and Ben White once that becomes apparent. That would be my preference is all I'm saying. I think Ben White is superior to both of them. I think as a centre-half, you know, he was good last year and he's it's taken him a year to sort of get uh, Arsenal. You know, I mean, it wasn't very easy when he joined Arsenal, was it? We lost the first three games last season. You know, it was a, it was a difficult start and he got better and better. He did get better and better. But at the moment, I see absolutely nothing wrong with it. I don't see any of these problems that you've got. I think Saliba looks excellent. I think uh, Ben White looks excellent at right back. Gabriel's having a better season than he's had since he joined the club. And we've got two really good options at left back and Zinchenko's been magnificent, you know. That's not where our issues have been. You know, that's that's really not. Um, Darren, a lot of talk on Twitter today, though I did try and keep my nose out of it because there's just some fucking ridiculousness on there. But a lot of people talking about wanting to swap and good well-known pundits as well talking about wanting to swap Lukonga 
and Xhaka for this period of time and play Xhaka in the six and let Lukonga play in the eight. Now, I assume that's because... I assume that's because Lukonga is so good on the ball and doesn't have that same sort of positional or hasn't developed that that positional security yet. Um, but I never want to see Jacker in a deep-lying position for Arsenal again as long as I live. I'm just wondering what your thoughts were. I think um, the criticism of Lukonga is strange because, you know, we watch him, I've been watching him a little bit more carefully because he's, he's filling in as third choice in that position. And I actually think he's played pretty well. I mean, I did get drunker as the game went on on Saturday, on Sunday, so uh, it was a little bit, a little bit less detailed on their goals. And I haven't been out to watch the game back because I hate knowing the end of the, uh, the what's going to happen at the end of the book. So I, I found it difficult to enjoy looking back. But I think he's played very well. So no, I wouldn't change it. I think Jack has had a new lease of life. He's linking things up very well, and you can swap Jacka and Vieira, and you can swap Erdegaard and Vieira. That would be nice to see when we've got a little bit of breathing space in a game. Uh, but I'm right, you know, Xhaka was caught through his pace at that position. Lukonga looks a, a little bit more nimble to me. And, you know, let's give him a run in, in this in the side because he was a good player when he first joined us. It's just that he was a good player in a very, very weak side. Now this side is stronger, it's got more organisation, everyone knows what their jobs are. He shouldn't be left exposed and he's got a great range of passing. I think he's going to be a good player. Scunny, Lukonga has said that he wants to be a six. He He's been a six essentially his entire life. He's never really been an eight before. Is this the time now for us to just develop him? This is an opportunity to develop him. Should Arsenal take the opportunity and develop him as a six? Because he is only going to get better with the more games he plays, the same way we saw Eddie get better towards the end of last season. Uh, I think we should leave it alone and do what carry on doing, seeing what doing what Arteta's doing, to be honest with you. He obviously knows better than what we do. He sees him in that better position and sees him where he is now and where he played him. Like Darren said, he is our third choice midfielder. So these game times are going to come few and far between. He needs to take this opportunity and relish his opportunities to try and keep party out. Um, I think trying to chop and change this midfield over just one game, uh, you know, I think it's ridiculous. You know, Xhaka, we've all said you know, none of us, I don't think any of us here or even throughout Aspros have been Xhaka's biggest fan ever. Uh, I don't even know many people that would say Xhaka is the best player at Arsenal or this, that, or the other, anything, you know, anything like that ever. Um, all I've ever heard throughout most of his career at Arsenal is he's crap, is this, that, and the other. But this season so far, and I think towards the back end of last season, you have seen a new lease of life in him. I think he has got better. And I think the fact that we've got new players and better players around him, uh, the gelling more together because we've had a you know a bit more time together uh, from last season to the you know to the start of this season. We've had a proper preseason this year, um, and I think it's it's it has brought a new lease of life in him. And we're seeing the best of Xhaka, I think we've ever seen. So. To turn around and say that they need to change him here, there and everywhere and put him in the position that no one really wants him in, and I don't even think Arteta wants him in that position either, is ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, Darren, it was our first glimpse of the new Vieira. Um, Look, people went ballistic. The Twitter someone fucking put up. Oh, Arteta's got a real problem because he's clearly better than Erdegaard, which I commented. That is total and utter bollocks. Please shut the fuck up. Um, got a glimpse of him. 
technical player, interesting player. Was he? Did, did he stand out to you? Was it something you were excited to see? I think what I like about what Arteta's done is he's got players who can play football. You know, I mean, you you referenced the uh, the invincible side and that era where we had some really good technical players from from one to eleven. They could all hold the ball and they could all pass the ball, and a lot of first time passing. Um, gradually. You know, we're removing the Cedrics and the Kalasanach and, and these sort of players that, are, you know, um, uh, Gang, um I've even forgotten what was our other centre forward called. He's gone already. Number nine. Lacazette. Lacazette. Uh, you know, none of these were very good footballers. You know, they, they, they weren't players that, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, they all had their skill set. But Arteta has created a, a team of, of footballers. And isn't it nice when you're watching us play out from the back now? That we can all, there's no panic. We're all pretty good. They're all pretty good on the ball. They're all comfortable. And Vieira, from the very, very short cameo that we saw, looks like one of those players, happy to receive the ball. And the first one since Santi Cazorla that seems to be able to take it from either position when he, with his back to goal and turn towards goal in one movement uh, and give himself some room. And he played, he had a couple of shots, didn't he? And he played some good balls through. It's very, very early days. But um, as... Uh, so it's just a message there from DWTT. I like the small bits I saw from Vieira. Came on ready to shoot. Haven't seen that this season since Jesus came on shooting in pre-season. And I think, you know, that's sort of where we are with this, is that we've got a, we've got a young, enthusiastic player who looks like he could be really good. And I'll just remind you of the comment of Edu when they said, aren't you, how proud are you to have enabled the signing of Gabriel Jesus? And he said, oh, you haven't seen Vieira yet. And that was his comment, you know. So he thinks he's found a, 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 the missing piece of the puzzle. So I'm, I'm excited by it. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't got more game time if he's as good as we think. And I expect him to, to start on Thursday night, this Thursday we're playing. I expect him to start in that game and then we can have a really good look at him. Scully, final thoughts before I wrap it all up? Uh, yeah, I think on just on the Vieira front, I think we've just got to give it, don't forget, he is new. Let's give him some time. But from the little snippets that we saw of him on against Manchester United, he does look good. So let's just give him some time. Let's not do the Arsenal thing and just jump on him straight away. Um, let's give him that breathing space. Let's give him that time. Um, also, again, I'm just going to go back to when we go... Um, sorry, excuse me. For the, for the, for the signings this year, because I've not actually been on any other podcast and I've not really said anything about it. I've not just been disappointed with any signing this year from Arteta and Edu. I think every signing that we've made this season has been very, very thought of. I think, I think you very could say needed. that about last season as well. So, you know, this is some, yeah, some very is, strong yeah. windows back to back and and not going and buying fucking garbage and paying £90 million for people it's in that yeah that, that panic that panic buying and and i think so far it's been refreshing not to see that panic buying you know there's yeah, always I, been that backup option from someone because i think i don't think zinchenko was actually the first choice for them i think he was their second choice and in all honesty sorry darren's talking and you're on mute you're on mute, you're on mute darren. darren all cancer is fucking brain now it was um, it was Martinez was first choice. He went to Manchester United, wasn't it? He yeah, was, exactly. Who was quite who was quite good, Darren. I Very liked good. It. You were right. You were right. It, was, it, it was okay. I didn't I didn't think he was brilliant, Martinez. And I, I thought, yeah, you know, I, 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 
I'm glad in some respect we didn't get him in in that respect. Obviously, if we're going to go that on that one, just just so I can go on quick, I'm glad we didn't get him because I think that shorter centre back, I just don't think ever suited Arsenal having a short centre back. I think something that you said before, Max, about having these short centre backs within like uh, Vermaelen and stuff like that. It's never ever suited Arsenal to have a short centre back. We've always every time we've done well in in a season, we've had some big. Bastards in centre yeah. back, and that's when we've done well in seasons. And I think like getting back to that and getting to these people and getting these big centre backs that can basically rough people up, and it, it suits Arsenal better than what it did the short of centre backs like Vermaelen and Schelny and stuff. I agree. I do think though that we we were buying Martinez as a left back who could slip the role that's in yeah the yeah I agree there yeah somebody that could slip into midfield. But United needed centre backs, and he looks tiny. You know, he's five foot nine. The Premier League's a tough place. They will leak goals in certain areas because he is so short. I think oh. Arsenal's plan was to have him as a left back that could slip into midfield. Just and wait until Haaland puts his fucking goblin cock inside him. He will fucking destroy <laughs> him. Oh, I'm looking forward to that day in some respect. He will fucking destroy him. Fucking it. Well, I, think it's, I don't think it's just going to be him either. He's in his bum and a very, very funny walk. I think uh, Tony from. Brentford, I think you're going to see a really good little fight there between Martinez and I, Tony. So I think that's going to be an interesting one to see as well. So, oh, all right. Well, we've done an hour. We haven't been depressed or upset. I think for most sensible Arsenal fans that I've spoken to, everyone's they're not displeased with it. I think most people can walk off there and say, we went for it and we didn't get it. And as we said before, you know, sometimes have to take your penis out of your pants. You know, you can't just have your penis inside your pants all of the time. You've got to take it out. You've got to let people see it. Because how will people know how big it is if you don't show it to them, right? Like you could go around and say to everyone, oh, I've got a massive knob. I've got these big fucking hairy, voluminous, perfectly circular testicles. But if you don't fucking show it, then no one's going to know. And you know what Arteta did? He showed everyone his penis. And yes. Unfortunately, unfortunately it was a cold day in the north. Yeah. No, well, it was a bit, maybe it was a bit, (laughs) maybe it was a bit nubbly, Mike. Maybe it was a bit nubbly or, you know, maybe it was a a slightly misshapen penis or maybe it was a bad circumcision, you know, like that that bloke in all the porn who's got that horrible, like, two inches of fucking weird additional cock. Anyone who watches lots of porno, they'll fucking know what I'm talking about, that cunt with the hedgehog dick. But definitely... Jesus Christ, man. Arteta showed everyone his penis. And we've seen it now. And the Premier League has seen it. And I think people are afraid of Arteta's dick. That's what I think. The only thing I can say on top of that one, he showed him his big, hairy Spanish balls. And unfortunately, it just didn't work, did it, this time around. He did. All right, boys. We'll see you next time. Good night. Bollocks, that's a fucking flag. Hold on. (laughs) Fucked it. Good night. This is an Art Brothers production.
Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.